Hello and welcome to another episode of the Punt Return Podcast. I'm Josh Wye. I'll get to my co-hosts in a little bit, but I just want to start off the bat um, and just mention that uh, iTunes reviews, we want some reviews. Uh, we want some feedback on the show. It's a pretty new show, even though we're 12 episodes deep now um, with this format. We still like uh, we still like your feedback and uh, any ideas or uh, even constructive criticism that you want to throw at uh, James and, and Nick and not me. Um, that would be welcomed. But yeah, please head to iTunes, leave us a review. Um, if, if you don't use iTunes or, or whatever, please like just send us any feedback um, at Stats Insider or at Woot and Y on Twitter. Um, that would be really, really welcomed. But uh, that's just a little bit of housekeeping just straight off the bat, just to just to knock that on the head there. But uh, week 12 of the punt return. Nick, James, how are we doing, boys? Good, mate. It's massive, massive week 12. Been talking about this week for a couple of weeks already and yeah, no. looking forward to it. A real look-ahead spot for you, just like real thirsty <laughs> back of week eight, week nine. You look ahead at week... Oh, I've spent too much time with James and just been looking at the future. Yeah, exactly. James, how you doing, mate? <laughs> We're in the present now. Yeah. Um, 39 degrees is the present outside, so... Yeah. I played golf today in 35-degree heat. Um I actually, I played orienteering basically and went and had a few golf strokes in between today. Uh, I can't handle the heat. It was terrible. But, uh, yeah, let's, what a, what a helmet hitting week in the NFL here. Um, so last week, the better record team won 11 of those games. The born again Atlanta Falcons were the only exception to the rule. Um, so this was not, you know, last week wasn't the week to inspire a book of revelations, but rather I think it provided clarity for stories that have been building and, and week 12, as we said just before is a huge week where we'll, we'll get into that. Um, quick 30 seconds on miles Garrett boys, any thoughts or what do you think? Just, I think for me, I think suspended the rest of the year is fine. Maybe, maybe a couple of preseason games as well. I mean, it's not, I think the overreaction was a, a little bit too much. We've seen a lot of guys do similar things before Albert Hainsworth. Uh, and there was a guy in the preseason for the Falcons as well. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's fine. I think eight games or, or whatever it's going to end up being, I think is a, a acceptable punishment for, for actually a really great guy that just kind of lost his cool for a moment. The, the indefinite thing is, is a bit strange. I don't know why they wouldn't have just capped it at the end of the season or mm. a couple of, like you said, a couple of preseason games in the next year or, or whatever. Yep. It's, it's a bit strange to have that indefinite hanging over his head for a while, but, yep. um, yeah, look, uh, it, it was a massive overreaction. This, this stuff happens in sport all yep. the time yeah. and you don't often see people yeah. hitting other players with their own helmet. But, um, yeah. look, there are fights in every sport. Exactly. I mean, punching someone in the head with a helmet on is probably even dumber, to be honest. So, um, And we see that every week. So I don't even know. <laughs> just a, just an incredibly Cleveland Browns thing to happen as well. Yeah, Two-game win streak started. Yep. And we're talking about literally and by head and shoulders, their very best player is now gone for the season. So I actually feel for Miles Garrett a little bit because oh, yeah, he's actually sure. a really great guy and this is just going to define his career now for the rest of the – I mean, how many how many guys built like that are into poetry and dinosaurs? I mean, he's a fascinating dude. It's just, uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts that that's going to define I, I didn't his think career. The biggest overreaction I saw on Twitter just quickly was someone complaining that this indefinite suspension is going to impact his Hall of Fame bid for yeah. the rest of his career. I mean, it's it's a little early for that. Yeah, surely. it is a little bit, bit early to talk <laughs> about Hall of Fame anyway with Miles Garrett. But yeah, um, you're right. A very Cleveland Brown thing to happen. Um, any any thoughts on Colin Kaepernick? I just want to say that he should just be starting for the Bears almost immediately. That's all I'll say. Can't yeah, can't I, agree more. It's such a strange situation. Yeah. Such a strange situation. Yeah, I can't think of too many things happening in world sport that are sort of sadder and more repugnant than the whole Colin Kaepernick situation, oh. and makes being an NFL fan quite uncomfortable in that respect. Yeah, and it probably has from the, from the get go. 
Um, and it seems, seems to be continuing on. And I don't know what that was all about last week. Yep. Um, but it sits uncomfortable with me for sure. Yeah. I'm glad this uh, podcast is pro Kaepernick. Good stuff. Good, good areas. All right. Let's talk week 11 results. Lock of the week. KC, we got, it was like minus three and a half, minus four. I think it ended up jumping minus six. They won by seven. So as we know, we're now seven, three and one on the locks this season. And, uh, little sneak pre, we got a double lock this week. So, uh, Look ahead spot here in week 12, just because it's such a momentous week. Long shots, uh, Nick and I went 0-2. Josh Jacobs fell about 15 yards shy for me. Um, I actually took him at 120-plus at, at some real juicy prices. I also took Marlon Mack at 120-plus at some juicy prices. He gets injured at 109 yards in the second quarter. Um, so that really that really hurt as well. But, uh, you know, I'll take those every day. I mean, Josh Jacobs had a real chance to get that. And then Michael Thomas, I think... We weren't really expecting that sort of heavy Alvin Kamara usage because they kind of took it easy on him the week before, Nick. Yeah, he's, he's been fairly quiet, Kamara, since he came back from that. Yeah, that eased kind him of into layoff. it, but now they're like, all right, let's go. Yeah, well, I think it was Michael Thomas. Uh, I think I had him at 11 plus receptions, and he, yeah. had, he had eight, and Kamara had 12 or 13 or something. Yeah. It was just crazy. Did not see that coming. No. Oh, ah, well. And then, James, look, the Seattle NFL price, it's still around the same, but I, I guess San Fran losing the Arizona would have been, would have made that real, real, real nice for you. It would have been fantastic, but both teams still have to play each other anybody, anyway, and Seattle do hold. You know, that tiebreaker might come into play. So, and it's obviously the return leg is in Seattle. So, yep. Um, opportunity still there for them. Great week last week. Best bets across the board. Uh, Nick and I uh, went uh, two and one. Uh, KC minus four for me and under in the Chicago, LA were, were pretty comfortable wins. Oakland team total. I know that lost by a lot, but I don't know how that lost. They had multiple, multiple trips to the red zone and didn't come away with points. It was crazy. You had a 110-yard rusher. You have Derek Carr throw 350-odd yards, and he only scored 17 points. Um, that one kind of hurt a little. But uh, I'm now 20-11-2 on the season. Uh, Nick, talk us through your results. Yeah, pretty similar. Chiefs uh, minus four, as, as we all had. Uh, New Orleans minus five covered pretty comfortably. The big one for me, which I, I think is a really bad beat, was Baltimore-Houston over 49, um, <laughs> two of the highest scoring teams in the NFL, really offensively focused. Um, Baltimore scored 41. and <laughs> Total finish on 48. <laughs> 48. I mean, that is just, that is a horrible And beat. you had the bad PI call on uh, DeAndre Hopkins. That would have been a, yeah. probably a, a Houston ball at the one-yard line, which would have at least <laughs> resulted in a field goal. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a doubly bad beat. Um, James, 3-0, you, you, I know you do futures, but uh, maybe you should consider some weekly players there. And you also got the first parlay of the season with Dallas and KC uh, winning at their money lines. But it's a 3-0 week for you. Yeah, Broncos covered really easily and probably should have won outright. But yep. I think there's also a story to come out of that later with Minnesota that we'll talk about when we get there. And yep. yes, yeah, Saints, Saints was a nice, easy cover against... Um, against Tampa last week. All right, last little thing from week 11 like we do every week. Biggest takeaways from week 11. So last week I attacked QB wins narrative. This week I'm going with another QB narrative, and that's interceptions. And I believe interceptions are overrated. I think uh, not all interceptions are created equally. And I saw a lot of uh, people throwing, you know, look, Philip Rivers was bad, really bad against the Chiefs, but... Uh, People always just cite his interception numbers when they look at his career. Never, they never look at his yards per attempt. They never look at his his touchdowns or the team situation around him. I just feel like interceptions get way overblown. Everyone kind of talks about touchdown interception ratio way too much when comparing quarterbacks. I'd rather live and die with a quarterback that's going to take more risks down the throw. Um, you know, the, the interception that Mahomes threw against the, the um, Chargers in that game. 
that was one of the best picks I've seen all season. And, like, there's still a chance of that playoff. Like, I don't mind doing that on third down. If you throw the ball deep down the field and it gets picked off, it's 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 similar to just punting the ball. I'd rather do that than take a sack for negative 15 yards and there's a chance you fumble the ball away anyway. I just think the interceptions are just being a little bit overblown here. I mean, you know, if you're only throwing two air yards, a pass, whatever, of course you're not going to get intercepted. You're just being safe. I, I just I don't know. I feel like it's just getting a little bit too much for me. I feel like, uh, you know, he's off Philip Rivers. I I think with Rivers, one of the things is the, the situation of the interceptions. I think I think you're right that interceptions yep. on their own, yep. without any context, are, are overrated and get overblown quite often. But yep. Phil Rivers who is a really good quarterback, the way that he reads the game, the way that he reads yep. defense. Hall of Famer. Absolutely. A easy Hall of Famer. Yep. Um, but especially at, at his age and, and the way that he plays, he's just a static quarterback and he doesn't move around. You know, he doesn't have the ability to kind of weave or dodge or, or kind of get out of the way um, like some of the other pocket yep. quarterbacks, uh, pocket passes. And, and I think it, it really is kind of, his downfall at the moment at his size and age yep. that he can't kind of move around and, and that's where he gets stuck. I also think we should track dropped interceptions too because that that changes everything. Like we've seen drop picks like, you know, in the Super Bowl, the Falcons should have picked off Tom Brady three times in the one play at one point, it seemed like, with that Edelman catch. that If that's an interception, well, it's a drop pick, but that changes the entire narrative on in, in an entire season. It, it just seems like... It just seems a little bit overblown for me. But that's, you know, I just want to defend Philip Rivers a little bit. Yeah, he was bad. He has been bad. But I think his career overall, sure, he throws interceptions. But, you know, he puts you in, in a better chance to win games more often than not. I think it also, the, the whole issue of uh, turnovers in any sport sort of can expand, expand out. I only wrote about Philadelphia 76ers for Stats Insider this week, looking at their turnovers. And sort of ca- uh, casing it in the, in the idea of, a pace of play and efficiency should come into effect as well. So if yep. a team's playing at a breakneck pace, you can afford to turn over. Or if you're operating with some sort of, you know, a crazy efficient offense, yes, you can sort of suffer turnovers. But yeah, you're absolutely right. There's yep. a time, you know, there's a whole other context, like Nick said as well. Without context, they they don't mean much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, Nick, what's uh, what's your biggest takeaway from week eleven? Well, I've spoken about Atlanta and kind of the disappointing season they've had a number of times earlier in the season. Um, what, what is going on with the Falcons? To week nine, they had seven sacks total on the season in eight games, seven sacks. They've now had 11 in the last two weeks against division rivals in New Orleans and Carolina. They've had massive wins on the road against the, the rivals. On this form, they've got an incredibly winnable run home. They've got return matchups against the Saints and the Panthers. They've got home and away clashes with the Bucks starting this week. Uh, home matchup with the Jags. Now, they also have a, a trip to San Fran to, to deal with the Niners, but should they hypothetically run the table from here on in, that puts them at nine and seven. But even if they don't win out, they can still have a massive impact and really shake up the NFC playoff seedings as, as we've mm-hmm. been looking at them for the last couple of weeks. And I just, how has this happened? Yeah, they can easily play sport. I don't know if they can make the playoffs just because the NFC is so stacked. If they're in the AFC, absolutely a chance. Um, yeah, absolutely. But um, I definitely think they can play spoiler, especially with. You know, Carolina, um, they, could, they pretty much knocked Carolina out last week, and they could probably cost the Saints a buy with another win. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 crazy. The, the sack totals is is nuts. Uh, I have one explanation, and it's it's drugs. Um, they're clearly they're clear, <laughs> clearly juiced up over the bye week. That's that's all I can come up with. I just I, it was it was like watching, and, and we'll talk about it a bit later on uh, in, in their game this week. But 
it was like watching a different Falcons team. It was to see them flying around on defense. I haven't seen that for two years from the Falcons. It was it was quite mm. incredible to watch. I do like the idea that they could they could definitely play a role in shaping things up. I'm not getting a really good read in them on yeah. them at the moment, and um and. I guess nine and seven, well, that's as high as they can go, which probably won't be enough in the NFC. Mm. And I also wonder, yeah, again, from that franchise-wide perspective, what this will mean, whether that yeah. sort of keeps Quinn in his job for next year, what happens with Dimitrov, all of those kind of questions. Are they still happy with the status of the of, of the D and how that's been built? Mm. So a lot of sort of sort of macro issues yeah. in there. I uh, couldn't agree more. I think the off-season of the NFC South is going to be fascinating with yes. uh, Drew Brees' age, um, the whole quarterback controversy in, or, you know, is there really one? I don't know, in Carolina. And now, yeah, with this whole Falcons uh, coaching issue as well. But it's not just the, the quarterback controversy in Carolina either. Like, yep. this is a, is it, this is it the right head coach, the yep. general manager, what's going on there? Yep. Heaps and heaps of questions in Carolina. Exactly. All right, James, what's your biggest takeaway from week 11? It's actually about Kirk Cousins, whether we need to sort of give him a little bit more hype. We're talking about identical numbers across the board to Russell Wilson, as in like literally identical passer ratings, touchdowns, yards, all those kind of things. Um, and has the Vikings within one and a half games of the number one seed in the NFC. I was critical of Cousins earlier in the year. I think a lot of people were, particularly because of that contract. He still has a little, some mobility issues as well, let's call it that. Um, got into a 20-point hole against Denver over the weekend. Rallied them back. Pretty much faultless display. Came out winners as well. So all of a sudden, the Vikings are rounding into form. We know how good they're running attack. We know how good Cousins is as well. And they're getting this done without sort of massive Delvin Cook contributions lately. So... This is the seventh best defense in the league as well with a really reasonable run home. Only New Orleans and Baltimore, along with Mini, uh, ranked top 10, both offense and defense. So I'll put the question to you guys. Who who would you say is unquestionably better than the Vikings in the NFC? Hmm, that's uh, a tough one. I, I just want to say, I feel like we have this... Um, I, I feel like I've had the is Cousins elite or should Cousins be benched like topic. I've had those t- like each of those twice a year for the last three years. I feel like I just, <laughs> I never know if Cousins is good. And when I think he's good, then he plays bad. So this will be a, probably a crap week for Cousins. Um, and then it's like, mm. then I'm bowed on him and then, then I'm back in. It's just, it's a roller coaster. I'd say the, mm. I'd say the Vikings, for me, the Vikings, uh, in terms of my ratings, I still have uh, a couple of teams in the NFC above them. And that's just, it's only the 49ers. Uh, Saints. Actually, no, I've got them fifth, but there's barely a, like a hair between the Packers, Seahawks, and Vikings. I, I have them kind of grouped together in tier two behind the 49ers and Saints in, in the NFC. Yeah, I, I think the Saints are the only unquestionably, unquestionably yep. better than the Vikings team. But I think, yeah. like you said, they're, they're in that, in that bracket with the Packers and Seahawks and the Niners. Yeah, Saints for me, like like you said, Nick, would be the only team that I definitely, well, I would feel comfortable saying they're better, but not mm. even by a country mile either. Mm. I, I think there's such there's such a difference between the Vikings' best and their worst, and that's that's yes. the difference between them and and some of the other teams, and yeah, the, the, just the the depth of you know the, the roster quality in, in New Orleans, um, and the difference between the best and the worst with the Saints compared to the Vikings is. Not even close. Yep. I, I could see the Saints dropping behind them. I, I don't know about Drew Brees yet. I want to see some more deep passing. A lot of it was short and underneath stuff last week. I want to see him attack more of the field a little bit more in the yeah, coming, in the coming I think we need, 
and and we, I think we need more consistency from the Vikings across the board. Yep. More than one or two games, and then yeah. then a really bad don't, one. Don't get into but, a twenty point hole against um, Brandon <laughs> Allen. Like, come on. But, but one thing I'll also say about the Vikings in terms of the contrast that with San Francisco, you look at how sort of, and I, I'm going to bring this up later with the 49ers, in terms of how dependent they are on that running game and having everything just so perfect for Garoppolo in there. You know, we'll have you know just put you in these perfect situations, not take you out of your comfort zone. At least the Vikings over the last few weeks have proven that yeah they can come from a rally from a deficit and yeah they can thrive without the running game working beautifully so that's points to the vikings and still suspect on san francisco in that respect for me yep all right let's move on to week 12 and after a relatively quiet week 11 that went mostly according to plan the big week 12 slate kind of feels like the unofficial start of this stretch the final stretch run home mm. for the season there's five blockbuster matches and if you don't have game pass or red zone it doesn't matter they're all on espn this week all five of the big games um, three of them in prime time, and the other two are in the uh, the ESPN window. So good job by uh, and and, and they'll be live, and they'll be live on Stats Insider too. So. Exactly. So every yeah. game live on Stats Insider. So they've Absolutely. got they've got ESPN even covered there. Um, all right, let's talk week twelve. As we said, blockbuster week. First game of this, I think, is a is a blockbuster. Um, is is just AFC South kind of up for grabs here. Uh, Indianapolis travel to Houston. Uh, Houston are three and a half point favorites. The total is set at 44 and a half. And, you know, if the Colts win this, they've got a pretty handsome lead over the, over the Texans because they have, would have a, uh, uh, wiped them out basically, 2 and 0 record. So it's a clean slate against them. Puts kind of the Texans in the hole, although there's still a lot of games left to be played. Um, but it's going to be tough for the Texans. But for me, T.Y. Hilton's status is pivotal to this, to this one. If he plays, it's probably going to be a no play for me. If he if he doesn't play, I like the Texans minus three and a half here, even though I think they're frauds and Lamar Jackson exposed them as <laughs> frauds last week. I just think the advantage at quarterback's greater than the advantage at head coach. So I think Deshaun Watson's advantage over Brissett is bigger than Reich's advantage over Bill O'Brien here. Um, and the reason why Hilton's so pivotal to me is, well, that is it is actually T.Y. Hill's stadium. Like, he owns the stadium. Um, he averages 5.75 receptions, 127 yards, and 0.87 TDs a game playing at NRG Stadium. Um, he owns it. He it is his I, his stadium. Um, I didn't so realize that he was. Uh, I didn't realize that Ty was related to Paris and the the Hilton. Yeah, Hilton brand. Um, he's yeah. the he's the most famous and most successful Hilton. Um, so you know he said like a true Colts fan. Exactly. He this is the stadium he rocked up in the clown mask last year and just destroyed them. Um, so he he loves playing at NRG and I think he's the key to the Colts win and, and division control. If he's out and now without Marlon Mack, I fail to see how the Colts can be potent enough to get the job done here. So that's uh, my little caveat. So wait for the sort of the injury news. I'm sure that line's going to move if Hilton is out, maybe to four points. Probably still play it there at the four. What do you got, I, Nick? I don't recall a, a single game where the result hinges so much on personnel and, and player availability um, as it does in, in this one. I think um, so much is on the line for this game. Colts and Texans, identical records on the season at 6-4. Like you said, if if Indy get the job done, then that's just about season over for the Texans. Um, and, and they were woeful last week. We, we were kind of hoping that that was going to be the, the premium matchup. You mm. know, the two MVP candidates, that, which never eventuated as the Ravens just blew out uh, Houston. And, uh, yeah, it was, was really disappointing. Neither of these defenses either are, are much to write home about. As I said last week, the Texans' defense really worries me. Um, when you add in the the weakness in the the Houston offensive line as well, 
Um, and I think if, if Hilton plays, like you said, it, it's basically a swing bet for me, um, where I'd be looking at, at Indy straight up. But as it stands with the line, I think, like you said, Deshaun Watson is the difference maker. He's got the, the talent on the offensive end. Hopkins, Fells, Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde, Kenny Stills, maybe Will Fuller's back. Um, I think they've just got too much firepower for, for the Colts. But if Hilton plays, then that's a massive boost against the 25th ranked pass defense in the NFL. Right now, Texans straight up, but uh, keep an eye on T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, it's the, it's the Texans for me, and it's all about injuries as well. But that Marlon Mack one's massive. Talking about a guy who has 600 more scrimmage yards than any other Colt. Um, also, this Indy D hasn't impressed me that much this season. Their contributions are really, like, as you'd know, Josh, particularly, they're coming from veteran sort of guys on one-year deals. You know, Justin Houston, Autry, these sort of 30, 29-year-olds, as opposed to sort of sort of top-tier draft stock that's coming through and you can get really excited about. Not getting much pressure on the quarterback. Seventh worst in the league, in fact, which shouldn't scare the Texan O-line too much, um, which is keeping... Watson upright again. This is, I think the sack rate is down from 10.5% to 8.5% this year, which is huge for Houston, obviously. Now, when Indy did take sort of, they, they took care of, um, Houston early in the year, that was easily Brissett's probably best game as a pro. And yep. that was one of Watson's probably worst ever games as a pro, at least from a QB rating perspective. So. It's he, a Texans. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say he's actually struggled against the Colts. Like he he put up seven points in a playoff game against them last year. Like the Colts kind of have him not figured out, but they, I, I don't know. They kind of get him rattled a little bit. Mm. Yeah, and, and whether there could be a, a lot of factors for that. Nothing jumps straight out of my head yeah. why that would be the case. Um, and so yeah, without Mac, that's huge, and and especially without T. Y. Hilton as well. What Hilton, as you know, brings to our offenses, and you touched upon as well, just that that speed and electrification and opening up the holes for runners and everything. It's it's and and it sort of has connected with uh, seamlessly between Luck and Brissett. So to have him out as well really takes away so much of what Indy can do offensively. So Texans for me, but yeah, huge as said as well. Texans, Texans lose this. They're really losing touch, and it would be massive to come back from there. Yeah, exactly. I just want to touch. The Colts are 13th in defensive DVOA, so I know they're not like they don't have like big name players, but you know, like I've been watching the games. Like they're hitting on a couple of picks. Like the last two weeks, um, their fifth round pick Kari Willis at safety, and then a, a fourth round corner Marvell Tell have been increasing snaps, and I think they're just finding their feet. They're actually. They're actually playing a little bit better. So there are a couple of young guys in the secondary that I think... Rock, Rock Yassin is in there as well. Yeah, he, he had his worst couple of games. Like, he had his worst game as a pro about three weeks ago, and he's, like, improved every week since. I feel like he, he learned a lot. So, I don't know. I feel, yeah. I feel like we've got some decent young players in the secondary, but not along that D-line. We did have Ray early on in the season, but he got injured. He was he was playing actually really, really good and, and, and broke his ankle. Um, but yeah, it, it's the D line. It is all veterans. It's Justin Houston. It's Danico Autry. So we definitely need to, to address that in the draft. But, uh, yeah, this is a massive game. I'm, I'm really excited for it. So yeah, huge. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a win win situation. I mean, if I bet on the Texans, I win money. If I lose, I'm right. They're frauds and, um, I don't need to apologize to them, um, in a couple of weeks. Um, all right. Let's move on to a less exciting game. Uh, the New York Giants at the Chicago Bears will be quick on this one. Bears are six and a half point favorites. The total is 40 and a half. Um, so for me, while the Bears defense remains a, a formidable front, they're fourth in DVOA, their offense is in complete shambles. Trubisky rightly benched, but Chase Daniels showed next to nothing either. 
Um, they shouldn't be giving six and a half points to anyone, even as even a team as flawed as the Giants. So um, while I'm not rushing to, to bet on the Giants, what you know kind of keeping me from doing that is is Daniel Jones' you know propensity to turn the ball over. They're 31st in the league with 2.4 giveaways a game. You just can't be giving the giving the ball away a lot. And it's not interceptions like I touched on earlier. It's taking sacks and fumbles mostly with, with Daniel Jones. I'm going to roll the dice and hope that Shermer's really worked on that during the bye week for the Giants with the, with the freshness. And I kind of liked what I saw from the running game, you know, Gurley against the Bears with Noah Keane Hicks last week. So um, I think Saquon Barkley could... Uh, could be the key here for the Jets uh, for the Giants to cover. So uh, I'm going to take New York Giants plus six and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit the same. I, I'm not sure where these extra Chicago points are coming from. They're, they're a mess on offense, as, as you said. Yep. I'm not sure that they're a touchdown better side than any team in the league. Maybe the Bengals and the Skins, but that's really, that's about it. Um, and that's a horrible indictment on the Bears management and coaching. Chicago are ranked 22nd on DVOA pass offense and 27th on rush offense. Um, where to now for, for Trubisky? Is, is is it all over? Does he get another chance? I mean, will he be there next season? Will he be anywhere next next season? I, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, he probably shouldn't be, but I don't know. And for, for all of Chicago's vaunted defensive capability, and they, they still are a very good defensive unit, yep. but they're still basically middle of the road on rush defense. They're at 12th in the league, DVOA rush defense. Um, and, and I can really see the Giants feeding Saquon Barkley early and often, and just keeping it close, um, keep an eye on him in the prop markets and, and DFS as well. He'll be looking for a bounce-back game after his horror show last week against the Jets. It's, uh, yep. yeah, Giants plus six and a half. The, no, no play from me. The six and a half stood out, I thought, in terms of uh, Saquon could cover that by himself if he was motivated and if he's healthy. And I don't know if either of those are absolutely in play here for the Giants. Um, they still remain a massive mess on the season. So it's a tough... It, I wouldn't want to enthusiastically get behind any of these teams, put it that way. All right, let's move on. Seattle at Philadelphia. Philadelphia minus two at home. The total is 48, arguably the game of the uh, the early slate. Um, so, look, Seattle's coming into Philadelphia pretty hot. They've won six of the last seven games. They're 9-0 against the spread in their last nine games as an underdog. They've scored 27 or more points in eight um, of their last nine games. Um, and then on the other side, the Eagles and Carson Wentz are only 23rd in the league in total offense and have scored more than 21 points in just two of their last five games. Um, so I'm going to embrace my uh, Bill Simmons voice here and go, are we sure Carson Wentz is good? I, I don't know. This is a litmus test game for me. I, in order to pull off this big win at home, the Eagles will need Carson Wentz and and it's this dominant pass, you know, this, sorry, this dominant, this dormant passing offense to to wake up. Um, they've only topped 227 passing yards just once in their past seven games, um, but Seattle are 22nd ranked, you know, in in uh, passing in in defense overall. So this is a matchup for for Wentz and the passing, you know, offense to really get going and and click into gear and kind of a litmus test game. If if they can't do that and can't get it going, then I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm getting lukewarm. I'm I'm growing cold on Carson Wentz here. I'm going to take Seattle plus two because I'm not I'm not a big believer in Carson Wentz at the moment. Maybe send Nick Foles back to Philly. What are you, what are your thoughts, James? Yeah, massive game. This this really is huge. Love the Seahawks, as you guys know. Um, for me, Philly's offense is the real concern. Um, I saw a really cool Bill Barmore stat sometime this week uh, regarding Lane Johnson. Now, when Lane Johnson's out on the field, Wentz is producing a 98 passer rating. When he's not there, it falls to 78. 
Now, I think in this, and he's in doubt for this week under concussion protocol. This Seattle defense is emerging. It's getting pressure on the, on the quarterback. Clowney's starting to integrate into the role now. Um, so I think that's, 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 that's a real concern. And as Josh, Josh pointed out, Seattle can, Seattle can score against anybody pretty much at will. Philly, not so much. In fact, they're really regressing. First five games, they cleared 24 points four times. They've done that just once in the last five games. And the question is, with Philly's offense, who, who are we actually waiting for to explode? Who scares us on this team from a, from a personnel perspective? I, I, I'm, I'm a bit unsure of that. It seems like with Philly, we're waiting for this train to come. But the reality is there's really no one on the train. So that, that's my concern with Philly. Um, even though we all sort of have liked the Howie Roseman project philosophically, I, I'm just wondering who the actual weapons are. Um, another note on this emerging Seattle D, now that Clowney is sort of really integrated into it, there's 13 takeaways in the last five games. So that's another scary facet that Philly are going to have to sort of have to worry about. So huge chance for Seattle to prove that the way I see them are in that very top echelon in the NFC. Um, coming off rest as well. Whereas Philly is starting to get in that vulnerable situation. They drop a game um, and send Dallas pick one up somewhere along the line. Could even be against New England. And they, and they fall right out of contention. It could happen really quickly. And then there are massive questions to come. But I'm going to leave it to Nick now because this is, this is his baby. <laughs> and maybe he can even sort of address some of those things about those superstars. Are, are there any superstars there on offense? Yeah, look, yeah I, I'm really concerned about this one. Um really worried about the Eagles' capacity to keep Wilson and, and the number one ranked pass offense out of the game. Um, the weakest part of the Eagles' roster is the secondary, as everybody knows. And there are, that's not to say there aren't other holes, but that is the absolute weakest part uh, of the Eagles at the moment. There are issues on offense as well, as, as both of you have said. Um, I, I'm not sure it's Carson Wentz's fault. Um, one thing that I read uh, early in the week is that Nelson Aguilar is the worst ranked wide receiver in the league with a minimum of 44 targets. Um, and that's really disappointing from someone who he was going to be a massive part of, of the offense in this season. Um, and, and for a franchise that was seen as one of the favorites for the Super Bowl preseason, it's a, a massive disappointment. And, and that's, that's, I think have had a massive impact on, on Wentz's passing numbers and, and also the loss of Deshaun Jackson. And Philly have always wanted to have a really reliable deep threat. Um, they've done it with, uh, a couple of guys, Torrey Smith. Yep. Um, and, and a, a couple others over the last few years, and they just haven't had it this season. Um, JJ Arcega Whiteside has been disappointing as a, as a rookie. I think most Eagles fans were, were expecting some fireworks from him and, and really got nothing. Obviously, Aguilar is not giving anything in the slot. Uh, and, and there are some issues there in the offense, and, and I'm not sure how that evolves in, into something better at the moment. Uh, Jackson's probably unlikely to come back at all. Um, the one area that the Eagles can exploit the Seahawks is, is, their rush defense, Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders are really good. Um, and, and I'm expecting both of them to see plenty of snaps. And I, re- I really like the idea of both of them starting the backfield because they're both able to assist in the passing game as well. And I think that's something that, that the Eagles can get better at. Uh, they're both really good players, really different players as well. But I think they can play together and I think that will uh, that will go a long way. The Eagles run game will go a long way to getting a result against the Seahawks. But uh, pass from me. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't be giving Nelson Aguilar 44 targets, maybe. I don't know. 
I think they need to get the tight ends more there's involved. No, there's I th- no one else. Yeah, I think uh, I think Goddard's really underrated and underused. I think he's a really good player. I think uh, he's such a good blocker as well. I, I feel like he should just be on the field nearly every snap at this point. I I, I agree, and yeah. and I think that's that's an element. I think they've been trying to work out how to play Goddard and Zach Ertz yeah. together. It's not um, difficult. This, this been, Watch the Colts. Like Frank Reich uses yeah. f- like three tight end sets nearly every snap. Yeah, and and what when was the when was the point when the Eagles started to go downhill on offense? When Frank Reich left, Frank yeah, right? It's so, crazy. Look, I I think Zach Ertz has had his worst his worst season for a, n- a number of years, yeah. um, and, and I think that comes down to giving God it more opportunity and and mm. still not being able to work out how to play both of them together. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah, I mean, there's worries. The the raw numbers are there though with Zach Ertz. The, the touchdowns aren't there, but he's mm. still he's still he's still producing. He's Still, yes. I think Zuckerberg does get a really raw. Like, arguably, he's still once again been their best sort of. He's so reliable. Uh, he, he's he's really reliable, and that could be again a Frank Reich issue in terms of yes. losing him as a touchdown threat, yep. and then not being able to reimagine him in that role. Mm. But yeah, and and I guess I, I'm I'm with you. We've got out as well in terms of he he is a big lengthy target as well, but. It, to be honest, it just really doesn't doesn't scare me this Philly offense. That's probably what it. No. I've, I've lost that fear factor, or they've lost that fear factor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe that guy was right about Nelson Aguilar when he didn't want to, you know, trust Aguilar with his baby out of a burning building. I can't remember that guy's name, but um, yeah, one fantastic. of the uh, cult heroes of the year in a year that's produced a lot of just really great content. I mean. I could go off on a tangent here. It's just been a great year. <laughs> whole new uh, oh, it's just so good. Um, all right. Uh, Pittsburgh minus six and a half at Cincinnati. The total is 39. We'll be quick on this game because it just has zero relevance to anything really. But bets. Um, I like two plays on this. Well, I like under 39 and I like Cincinnati plus six and a half. Look, the Steelers offense rolls into this game pretty banged up after that brutal Thursday night football game against the Browns. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster's in, literally, in, literally in banged up. Yeah, Deontay Johnson's like bleeding from his ears. Like, that's the funniest thing about that. They're like, oh, you know, that's so crazy. I've never seen anything like that from Miles Garrett. I mean, like, literally, like there was like half a dozen tackles that were way more dangerous than what Miles Garrett did. Like, every <laughs> NFL play is inherently more dangerous than than anything Miles Garrett did. But anyway, um, they lost a lot of players, and Pouncey's now out as well with with his suspension. Um, Pittsburgh were punished as well because um, Mason Rudolph wasn't suspended. Um, so that that hurts them. And, you know, without Pouncey there, I think Geno Atkins is going to have um, a real good day. He had his best game of the season last week against the Raiders. He he kept them in that game. He, he pressured Derek Carr a lot. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, it's – it's hard to see how a you know, terrible Cincinnati offense that managed just 73 yards against Oakland can have a success against Pittsburgh. But I don't trust Mason Rudolph. I'm going to keep fading them. I, he stinks. He's so bad. Um, so I give Cincinnati a chance to win this game outright, actually. But I like the Bengals, and I like the under. Um, I know it's weird betting the Bengals, but um, it's kind of like one of my best best plays of the week, actually. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Well, I was based about on my to numbers, say, based on my uh, numbers, on my <laughs> on my ratings and and numbers, it's the Bengals stood out this week. I was about to say to the listeners to just listen to what I'm about to say next because I agree with Josh. Yes, and it doesn't happen very often. Well, <laughs> at least on on some of it anyway. Yeah. Um, these two teams are horrible on offense, both of them. Um, Pittsburgh are ranked 28th on weighted offensive DVOA. Cincinnati are 30th in the same metric. Pittsburgh losing their number one wide receiver. Smith-Schuster's probably out. Uh, and on defense, though, 
the Steelers are, are quite superb. Apart from last week and their hiccup against Cleveland, um, they're ranked third on weighted defensive DOA, DVOA behind only the two best defenses in the league, which is the Patriots and the Niners, as everyone would have guessed. And they're both streets ahead of everybody else. Uh, and you know, what can we say about the uh, the Bengals' offense or defense? Um, <laughs> under under thirty nine is is the play, guys. I'm actually going to be joining you in the world of unders this week, and and particularly on this play. This is two horrendous offenses. These two teams have combined fourteen of twenty seven. Fourteen of their combined twenty matches have gone under this season, and in fact, this decade, pit road games gone under at a sixty two point five percent clip which is the healthiest mark in a league in that span. So a, a couple of edges towards the under that, that, that might be in favour here if you're interested in that particular play. Yep. Uh, Juju confirmed out. Likely will not play. Um, Deontay Johnson uh, only just returned to practice. Um, yeah, James Connor and Juju not expected to play. So um, James Washington and Jalen Samuels is what Pittsburgh will likely be rolling out. Um, mm. And then maybe a, a, if Deontay plays, not very healthy. Terrifying. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right, Oakland minus three at the New York Jets. Total is 46 and a half. Uh, I like the over 46 and a half here. Look, the New York Jets enter this game coming off back-to-back 34-point performances. Both Darnold and Gase point to a meeting they had following week t- their Week 10 loss at Jacksonville to, kind of as the turning point. Um, they've kind of changed their offense and, and suited it more to Darnold's strengths. Who would have thought? Maybe do that from Week 1. Just a thought. Um, but, yeah, they've averaged nearly 340 yards and more than 28 points per game um, since the two discussed uh, discussed all of that. Um, and then, yeah, I think he uh, – Donald threw f- – he threw four touchdowns to four different receivers last week. So it's it's spreading the ball out a lot and, um, and, and making the chains move. And we know what Oakland can bring on offense apart from last week. Um, they'll, they'll have an easier time against the New York Jets passing defense. They're still really good against the run. So this will be an interesting week for Josh Jacobs and, and how he can handle it. Um, maybe he can try and average more than Saquon Barkley did um, against them, which was 0.007 yards per, per carry. Um, so, yeah, the winner of the, in six of the last eight Jets games has scored 29 points or more. The total's gone over in six of the Raiders' last eight games, eight road games, and in nine of their last 11 on the East Coast. Um, and then five of the last six times these teams met, the game's gone over with an average combined score of 52 points. All of that points to an overplay. Um, I don't really have a feel on this line. It seems a bit spot on to me. Uh, yeah, look, I, given the Raiders a bit of props last week, I kind of admitted that I'd been wrong on them previously. But I, I do feel like this line's a bit of an overreaction to the three consecutive wins. I mean, they're, they're not world beaters. They've beaten a horrible Bengals team a horrible Chargers team, and a horrible Lions team in the last three weeks. And I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. This this Jets defense is is a different beast. Um, and, and things are, are starting to roll a bit for the Jets. Their, their season numbers are really – they're stuffed from three games of Luke Falk and uh, a, a horror show from Sam Darnold against the Patriots. Uh you know, Donald has a completion rate above 63% in every match apart from that Pats game. And the last couple of weeks, albeit it, it was against the Giants and the Redskins, an average of 7.7 and 9.8 yards per attempt, uh, which is not bad. And and he's only turned the ball over twice in the last three weeks compared to eight in the three weeks prior. So they're, they're starting to, like you said, they're starting to move the chains and, and they're getting they're getting things moving um, over the last few weeks. And the Raiders are ranked 23rd in pass defense and 29th overall 
uh, in DVOA defense, indicating that there are going to be plenty of opportunities for Bell, Crowder, Robbie Anderson to, to take advantage of, of what is a, a weakened defensive unit. Um, but most importantly, the Jets are ranked number one, as we know, in blocking the run, as I know, because I was heavy on Barkley a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, and it's it's going to be a tough day at the office for the Raiders' number one man on offense, uh, Josh Jacobs, the rookie. And I'm looking to fade him completely in DFS after uh, what the Jets did to, to Barkley. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't mind the Jets here. Uh, yeah, I actually quite like Oakland, to be honest. I, I'm still not sold on the Jets producing sort of 30-plus point games against Washington and Giants, which has not moved their weighted DVOA offensive number from the very worst in the league. Now, for Oakland, we're still... I know we're not fully in love with what they're doing, but the magic number's nine. So three more wins gets them into the playoffs. As simple as that, this isn't a hard matchup against the Jets. I know you guys have have cited those sort of defensive numbers and their ability to stop the run. This And the Oakland D is also emerging as well. The number four overall pick, Farrell out of Clemson, is starting to really pick up pace now. Rookie mate Max Crosby leads the team 11 quarterback, hits six sacks. So it's young, it's emerging. I, it's, for, for me, it just boils down to the Jets. Like, I'm not prepared to, <laughs> to give the, this franchise, this, this deadbeat franchise... Any love. That's what it comes down to, down to for me. Whereas, you know, the Raiders are, are still in this playoff picture with plenty to play for. This should seemingly be a market down win for Oakland. But look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe the whole Donald thing is, is, is real. I, I've got my doubts, but let's see. Yep. It's the NFL. Who knows? It's, uh, it's why we love it. Yeah, this... Yeah. <laughs> There's something, there's something I, I just find something strange or irritating about this game. Maybe it's the fact that we're even, it, it's, it's, it's the fact that Raiders are knocking on the door of playoffs when I'm not comfortable with them either being a playoff team. It's I'd not ra- like they've blown us away. I'd rather the Raiders and Buffalo in the playoffs. I'll just say that. But, but with that said, you know, I, I, we shouldn't do this, but they'd be nowhere near playoff contention if it was in the NFC. Like yeah, they'd be exactly. chewed up and spat out. Yep. Yet from the AFC perspective, we have to consider these guys but, as going to the playoffs. So. But uh, we've seen a, a seven and nine Seahawks team win a wild card game. So you know, you know, any given Sunday. I swear that's a, uh, <laughs> a good movie. Um, all right, Denver yes. at Buffalo. Buffalo minus four here at home. Um, you talk about racking up some wins. This is important yeah. for Buffalo. The total is thirty-seven and a half. Um, look, there's a lot to love and and hate about the Broncos' performance last week. You really have to love their performance for the first three quarters, where they showed some life on offense and made things very difficult for Kirk Cousins with with plenty of QB hits and and fumbles and things. But that fourth fourth quarter collapse in the coaching is very troubling. Um, look, Josh Allen had his best game of the season last week against the 32nd ranked to DVOA defense, but can he do it against the number seven rated? Um, in terms of weighted, uh, if you ignore the first couple of weeks where they were still finding their feet in this system, but they're now seventh overall in DVOA defense. I'm not so sure. I'm leaning Denver plus four, but uh, I don't really have a strong feel on this game. Um, my heart wants Denver to win because I want Buffalo out of the playoffs. You know, you know what was really interesting, and uh, read this stat this morning actually that Brandon Allen had five deep shots in the first half last weekend. And, and I was really interested to see how uh, Vic Fangio was going to play Brandon Allen. Um, you know, it, it's just really interesting. I, I thought that they would go really heavy defensive and uh, it, it is the Broncos calling card, but 
uh, yeah, was really excited to kind of see them go for it a little bit, which was was nice. You know, the Broncos, a bit like the the Vikings, are are a different unit at home and on the road. Uh, these are two top fourteen ranked defenses in the league. Neither are uh, much to write home about on offense. Almost identical bottom thirty, uh, bottom ten ratings on on both pass and rush offensive efficiency. The, the total which I'm leaning thirty seven and a half. I'm leaning to the under, but it is really low. I'd love it if it came out to thirty eight and a half, thirty nine, close to kickoff, um, and then I'd be all over it. But I, I'm leaning the under thirty seven and a half, and that, that's my play. Put simply, Sean McDermott laughs in the face of these kinds of offenses um, in terms of Denver being a bottom third DVOA offense. In fact, since McDermott's taken over, Buffalo is sixteen and four straight up against bottom third DBO offenses. So if you're not bringing the sophistication, if you're not bringing the variation against McDermott, he's going to crush you. And I think this is tailor-made for Buffalo. Like Oakland, well, the only difference is Oakland out of home here, playing a, a pretty ordinary franchise with their playoff hopes on the line. If they are a playoff team, they get this done. They win it, they walk out, bank the win, and start thinking about participating in the playoffs. So it's Buffalo money line for me, a possible cover. But, um, yeah, Bills for me. I, I, I know Denver pushed mini, but they did fall, fall apart late. And I, I, this is, this is again, I think Brandon Allen is, is in that uncomfortable Kaepernick territory as well. Like, this is the kind of team yep. he could definitely be a part of. And mm-hmm. Especially with John Elway, sort of like, he, his read of quarterbacks is almost as abysmal as, you know, some some. Some old fogey at the cafe down the street. Yeah, I mean, it does, I mean, any fogey down the street can sign Peyton Manning and win a Super Bowl with him. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it doesn't take a genius to realize that. So, yeah, yeah. This, that, I think that's the other thing. We're sort of stuck in, in like, definitely uh, us three guys grew up in an era of Denver, a really rock solid franchise, consistently excellent. And it's just not the case anymore. There's something really bland and uninspiring about them. Um, so, yeah. Yep, and it rhymes with Smilmway. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right, let's go on. Miami at Cleveland. Cleveland minus 11. The total is 44.5. This is a gross game. Look, my numbers favor Miami, but I'm not touching this spot on the road, especially after what happened um, Thursday Night Football. This is a no thanks from me. Um, it's a horrible jersey matchup as well. I don't want to watch this game. This is, yeah, this, this really is a gross matchup. But Cleveland, Cleveland missing the best football player in Miles Garrett for the rest of the season, as we've discussed. Yep. Um, despite the, the fireworks last week, it could have been, last week could and should have been a massive morale boosting win for the Browns. Um, but what, what transpired in that last 15 seconds and, and in the days following has a, a real possibility of, of completely derailing the Brown season. And, uh, I haven't done this all season, but, Miami at the line, oh, plus 11. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> Finally, something. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually with Nick on this. Oh, wow. <laughs> Only because wow. No, I, I am. Because, well, I guess, I guess we'll get straight to the best the best stat here. The only worse thing than the Cleveland Browns against the spread, and this year, by the way, they're three and six. Yep. Only Giants, Washington, Tampa, and Chicago have performed worse against external expectations than that. So the only thing more miserable than Brown's ATS is Brown's ATS favourites at home. <laughs> so they're 9-19 and 19 this decade in that situation, which is the very worst mark in the league. Yep. Coming up against the Miami team, who we know they're playing hard football with Flores, you know? They yep. sort of could have taken... They could be... They have every right to be zip 16 with that roster. They're hanging in there, 5-5 five and five ATS, 
I think they can get that here. That's a massive number against a seriously bad team. And especially without Garrett, we're talking, you know, a guy who has produced double the quarterback hits and double the sacks mm. yep. than any other Brown on that roster. Like, we can't underestimate how important he is to the Browns. Mm. So, definitely, I think, yeah, Miami can cover this. Could they, can we go? Could they win it outright? <laughs> Why not? I mean, Why like, not? it might be worth something. I don't know. Like, I, it would be such a Cleveland thing to do. I mean, you're getting $5 yeah. on the Dolphins. Maybe it's worth something a little bit. I, well, just, just, just to jump in there with the Garrett thing as well. Does this sort of give Kitchens and the sort of top brass a bit of a cop out? Like, oh yeah, we were rolling. We lost mm. this guy and, and sort of keeps everybody in situ for another year. Oh, rather than, sh- surely than, not. <laughs> I, I, I don't know because yeah. it doesn't like we know there's talent on this roster, both offense and defensively. Yep. And it could be a, a really good coach, a Frank Wright, not that they're getting Frank Wright, but a Frank Wright type upgrade. Yeah. To become back into this playoff race. I think that the coaching's holding them back. Yeah, and he um, handled the whole Garrett thing terribly in the press conferences as well. He was like just he was horrendous where I credit to Baker Mayfield. He handled that like an absolute pro. I mean he called out Garrett and said he should be suspended. Yeah, um, and some away. old fogies got the shits about it on Twitter and I was like, geez, like man. Yeah. He he was honest and like that's what you want. You don't want that you don't want your quarterback just spitting out cliche after cliche. So I mean I, I give Baker Mayfield a bit of credit. I feel like I feel like Kitchens is gone regardless of how they finish the year. Um, maybe mm-hmm. an outright loss to Miami might see him out the door by the end of the week. So you come and bring in, what's his name, the Oklahoma? I yeah, I, I think he's the guy, or Matt Rule maybe from Baylor could be, yeah. the, could be the option. Well, I mean, um, he obviously worked with Baker and yep. won at Heisman with him. I, think, exactly. I can't believe I've forgotten the name here. Lincoln um, Riley. That's it. There it's the one. Um, all right, let's move on. Carolina at New Orleans. New Orleans minus eight and a half. The total is 47. Um, I don't know if you hear that sound, guys, but that's the sound of the Panthers falling all the way down to 27th in DVOA. <laughs> yeah. um, and that sound has now drowned out all the anti-Cam Newton talk um, as Kyle Allen completely unraveled totally. before our eyes. He, he, it, the clock struck midnight and the, uh, the crystal <laughs> Kyle Allen ball turned into a pumpkin. Um, and yeah, that's it. He was dreadful last week and their offense is dreadful as well. And with all the McCaffrey MVP talk, he had like 200 and something yards and they put up seven points. I mean, you, you can't win MVP as a running back. All right. I love McCaffrey. He's, he's a white running back. I mean, what's not to love about a, a white guy doing this? Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's nuts how bad they were and how, and it's just eerily similar to the Panthers last season. Get off to a really good start. They look great. And they're just gonna just fizzle out. And uh, we talked about this at the top of the show. It's gonna be fascinating off season. This is a, this is a clear pass for me. Uh, the Saints are rolling and, and they're looking great, but uh, eight and a half in a division game off a loss like that, uh, it just uh, just seems a little bit uh, a little bit on the nose for me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go. Out. I need to see more from Drew Brees down the field passing, as I touched on earlier. Um, I think Kamara is just gonna have a massive DFS game. I'm, I'm looking at his. Uh, rushing yard props, and I think you're uh, you're the same, Nick. Yeah, I I think that sound that you referred to is hell freezing over because over, I mostly agree with you again. Um, <laughs> the, the the Panthers have been disgusting. Whenever anything serious has been asked of them, they were thumped by the Niners. They were comprehensively beaten by the Packers. And yes, these were on the road, but last week they were walloped by the Falcons at home in Charlotte. This Carolina team it might sound harsh, but is a flat track bully and a choker when it counts. And the Saints, who are top 10 in passing and rushing efficiency, are going to thump them again under the dome. 
your lean's minus 8.5. And I agree, I really like the spot that Alvin Kamara's in this week. Uh, some decent odds at him for 74-plus rushing yards. Probably even go higher than that, but I like the 74-plus at 240. And, uh, yeah, a great DFS player, as you said. No Brian Burns, no Panthers for me. Um, the last four weeks as he's fallen <laughs> out of the light, they've really fallen pieces. No, in all honesty, though, we close our eyes really tightly and imagine the Chicago Bears offense and how absolutely deplorable that is. That's Carolina statistically. On every measure from, you know, DBI perspective, the Carolina offense is the Chicago Bears offense. They've, they're in massive trouble. This is two franchises in very different directions. A couple of weeks ago, and it's exactly as Nick said, we were talking about Carolina. Let's see a big test. Can they hang with New Orleans? They're only a game or two behind. Now they're a game or two off being the last place team in the NFC South. That's how quickly it's fallen apart for Carolina against the Saints team who's shooting for the number one seed in the NFC. So I think the eight and a half is very, very doable against this Panther team. So yeah, Saints for me. And it's also this, you know, this, this whole McCaffrey universe that is the Panther offense at the moment, which is, yeah, it's, I'm not a huge fan. Okay. Let's move on to actually, let me just. Check. I, I thought I did my numbers yesterday, and I can't find Panther Saints. No, yeah, sorry, I, I did find it. Yeah, that number seems a bit spot on for me. I know, like you guys seem to love it. Maybe I thought I miscalculated my numbers, but yeah, it's just divisional game. Kind of smells like a little bit of a trap for now. It's not my trap game of the week, though. I'll, I'll get to that. Um, Detroit minus three and a half at Washington. Total is forty-two and a half. Not going to spend too much time on this game again. This has no relevance to anything, really. I just want to say Jeff Driscoll, you know, showed a little something last week against Dallas. But uh, can he do it on the road? Um, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll wait and see, I guess. Uh, the Lions were gashed through the air once again last week. Um, they got no pressure on Dak Prescott, and he just picked them apart. And um, He had 444 yards and three touchdowns. So it's a fifth straight game now, and opposing quarterback has thrown... Um, for like just for three, sorry, with three touchdowns against the Lions, so they're allowing of they're allowing twenty seven point two points per game. So, is Dwayne Haskins capable of taking advantage of that? Again, I don't know. So, with too much uncertainty on whether Jeff Driscoll can do it on the road and whether Dwayne Haskins can take advantage of a pass defensive, I'm going to leave this. This is a pass scenario for me. It is worth noting that the Redskins are zero and four straight up and against the spread. In their last four games when hosting teams below .500. So it's not like they're facing good teams at home. They're still losing against bad teams at home. They're probably the worst home field advantage in football. If nothing else, the Lions are at least a moderately professional football unit as opposed to the Washington Redskins, who who are simply not. At least the Lions have pushed the likes of the Cowboys, the Packers, the Chiefs to 8-1 and 4-point defeats. So this season... I've never jumped – I don't think I've picked Detroit once against the line or money line or whatever you want to call it at all this season. Yet I'm happy to deputize against the Red Stintons. Um Last time we checked in on Washington, the Jets hung 34 on them. Yep. So that's 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 concerning. And also, Washington are well and truly up to their necks in this tanking race. They've got absolutely nothing to play for. They sit comfortably in that two draft two spot at the moment. So can't see Washington doing anything. And again, it probably comes back. Detroit being mildly professional can get this done. I, I, I like the Lions here. What does Dwayne Haskins have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do to get you involved? Um, <laughs> no, this is this is a horrible matchup that I want absolutely nothing to do with. Is a pass. Okay, let's move on. Tampa Bay at Atlanta. Atlanta minus four at home. Total is fifty-one. 
Um, we talked about the Falcons a little bit earlier, but apart from the Ravens, I mean, has there been a better team over the last two weeks than the Falcons? I, I don't think so. Um, those coaching changes they made during the bye week have, have absolutely worked wonders. So uh, credit to them. Uh, maybe it's enough to keep Dan Quinn in power, as we as we talked about at the top of the show. But the Buccaneers rank second last in the NFL in passing defense by allowing 290.9 passing yards per game uh, and a dead last in scoring defense, giving up 31.3 points per game. So despite having you know an offense that ranks six in the NFL in total yards, six in scoring. The Buccaneers are just three and seven straight up and two and eight against the spread this season. This new and improved version of the Falcons should be able to win and should be able to cover. But this is my trap game of the week. I'm avoiding. It's a pass for me. I I'm not something something about Winston and 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 being a road dog. I don't know. It, it, it scares me. I, I'm just not a I'm not a huge fan of this spot at all for the Falcons. If anything, I'd probably take the over just given. Um, the points there that I think the Falcons can put up, but I I need to see one more game of this new new and improved D before I'm all all aboard for the Falcons. In, interesting, interesting call. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure it's a trap game at all, and I'll tell you why. Obviously, the Falcons have been on fire. I agree. I'm I'm not sure there has been a, a better form team in the last couple of weeks than than the Falcons and and the Ravens. Obviously, um, six sacks on Drew Brees a fortnight ago. Had another five on Kyle Allen last week to go with four interceptions. And here's here's where it counts because Tampa Bay are ranked 24th in offensive efficiency and their offensive line is ranked 20th in run blocking and 20th in pass protection. And Jameis Winston leads the NFL in interceptions. Atlanta minus four, they will cover quite easily. Ooh, okay. Tampa, six straight ATS fails in a row. Looking at uh, finishing last in the NFC South for the eighth time in nine seasons, bottom 10 top, uh, bottom 10, Offensive unit, bottom ten defensive unit, running into a Falcons buzzsaw. So four four points for me for Atlanta seems very reasonable. Falcons for me. Yeah. So when you lay it out like that, that's why I feel like it's a trap game because it's the NFL. You know what I mean? It's too, yeah, it is a bit too simple, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right? It's, it's like oh, simples. Simple. It's like yeah, I mean, sure. And, and 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 we've learned that Atlanta haven't been simple this year. No. If we think we've got a read on Atlanta, yeah. we're, we're, we're talking garbage. Exactly. So, All right, yeah. Jacksonville at Tennessee. Tennessee minus three. Uh, at home, totals forty one and a half. I like the over here. Um, Jacksonville, look, they have the thirtieth ranked run DVOA defense in the league. We saw what happened. They they got run on by Jonathan Williams for for crying out loud. And Derrick Henry should have a monster day. Um, I like the Titans to put up points here. While I don't really rate Tannehill too much, as everyone else is waxing lyrical about him, he's moving the chains more often than not, and I think that's that helps them. Um, a lot. So since he's taken over, they've scored uh, a lot more than Mariota. They've scored at least 20 points in every game. They only did that twice in their first six with Mariota. And on the other side of the ball, I don't think Foles can play that badly again. I don't think the Jags' offense can play as badly as they did last week. Um, Foles will have that game under his belt now, and I, f- I feel like he'll be a little bit better for that run. So I think uh, that the, the uh, Jaguars can put up a little bit more points and, and show a little bit more balance um, on on offense because they abandon the run probably way too quickly here. Um, so I like the over forty one and a half. I feel like this is low because these these games between these two are normally low scoring, just ugly, disgusting affairs. I feel like it's still going to be an ugly, disgusting affair, but maybe a few more points. Uh, James, what have you got for us? Oh, it's an absolute pass for me, Josh. The AFC South has been completely loco this season. Defined by injuries and wild form swings, I've never been able to get a good look. And I like Tennessee at the very start. Then I like a little bit of Jacksonville, liked India at one stage. 
Yeah, I, I can't make heads or tails. In fact, this is the <laughs> hardest game of the year for me, right here. So I'll pass over to Nick. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like like you said, this is potentially going to be a really ugly game. And we've talked about, you know, on, on the podcast this season, we've talked about some really good must-watch games, and this is a must-not-watch game. Um, last time around in, in week three, Derek Henry only had 17 attempts for 44 yards and a touchdown. Uh, like you said, Josh, I expect him to be far more involved. I think he's going to be used far more heavily. Um, and I'm expecting kind of 25, 27 rushing attempts um, and uh, should be a pretty safe DFS and, and fantasy option this week. But, um, yeah, not touching anything else. Okay, let's move on. Dallas at New England. New England, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. The total is 46. Uh, the Patriots are first in total yards allowed, and the Cowboys are first in total yards accumulated. So something's going to have to give um, in Foxborough on Sunday. I'm really keen to see Dak Prescott, how Dak, Dak Prescott goes against this stifling defense because Dak's third in my MVP race at the moment behind Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. Um, so this is this is definitely a real sort of interesting game. I think that's the most probably interesting matchup of the week, Dak against the New England defense. And while Tom Brady kind of looked like Mitch Trubisky out there last week with the 4.6 yards per attempt, um, the Dallas defense has allowed Kirk Cousins and Jeff Driscoll to combine for four touchdown passes and 676 yards over the last two weeks. So um, you have to expect that uh, Brady will, will improve on his performance last week, especially when... He was not happy whatsoever in the press conference after the game and, and was um, a little, yeah, arguably frustrated with himself. Uh, I don't think he was blaming anyone. I think he was more just saying, you know, we're happy with the win, but, you know, obviously we need to improve. But I think there'll be death by a thousand small cuts, uh, three-yard <laughs> plays, and just keep the ball out of the, the Cowboys' hands. And um, one thing the Pats do is start really good. They're, they're a really good first-quarter team, and Dallas are not. I mean, if, if New England can get out to a lead, that just bodes well for them with their – with their pass, with their secondary and their defense. So um, I, I like the, the Pats this week, minus six and a half. The Cowboys are on 0-6 against the spread slide against foes with winning records in their last six matches. So I'll take the Pats minus six and a half. I'm not sure there's uh, much more of a ceiling for Tom Brady, to be honest. Uh, he, I think we all kind of want him to be that elite quarterback. He's clearly not. Uh, he, yes, he should be better than Mitch Trubisky. Um, yeah. But... Look, I, that was I don't probably, know how that, was much. His, that and the Bills were his worst games this season. But he hasn't been. He's been middle of the road for most of his games this year, which with their defense is fine. But he was kind of real, really, really stinky last week. Well, that's the thing. Like he he doesn't need to be no. great. He doesn't even need to be really good. He just yeah. needs to be okay. Yeah. And and the rest of the team is so good that it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I've been really anti Dak Prescott, and James James can attest to this. I'm not a fan, and I haven't been a fan of him over the last couple of years, but he has been incredible this season. He's ranked second behind Russell Wilson in QBR, second behind Pat Mahomes in DVOA. He leads the league in passing yards, equal second in passing touchdowns at 21, got another three on the ground. He, he's having a sensational year, and, and he's been great to watch. As you said, this matchup is the league's best defense against the league's best offense. It's a pass for me from a betting perspective, but it's it's my match of the week. Ooh. Sit back and, and watch what should be incredible football on, on both sides of the ball. I, I love it. Mm. I, I have a different match of the week. I wonder what James's match of the week is. Seattle, Philly, I think, okay. will be. A, that's the one I'm really looking forward to. Okay. And I can also testify that Nick hasn't been a huge Dak Prescott yeah, I mean, from day it, one. It's like me with Russell Wilson when you're, you, you, you Luck and yeah. Wilson had the rivalry and Dak and Carson Wentz have this rivalry. But sometimes you just reach a point where you're like, all right, I've just got to throw my hands in the air and just <laughs> take the L and, and, and just you know enjoy watching them play football. 
But for me, I also wonder whether Nick's sort of bit of an anti-DAC is, is is coming from a Philadelphia point of view. Yep. No, that way, would never happen. No, but in, the same, in the same way, Josh can't fully wrap his arms around Deshaun Watson. So I'm wondering if those two factors are playing. Oh, I just uh, I like Deshaun Watson. I just can't. I just I just keep throwing Bill O'Brien under the bus instead. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, I'm I'm riding on Dak this week for Stats Insider. Also in that realm that he, he still doesn't have a contract for next season. We're talking about a guy who over the last 16 games, I believe, has thrown for 5,000 yards. <laughs> I'm serious. 5,000 yards leads the league in in, in total yards. He's a beast. You look at last week, and as, as as Josh cited in terms of this this Dallas D, they're just getting it done. On they put up forty points. Understandably, DVOA best team in the league. I don't think there's a there, there's any doubt this is the best offense in the league at the moment. And and it, that, as we said last week, this is in spite of a tremendously bad play calling and overall coaching. So I'm really looking forward to this matchup: best offense versus the best defense. Now, in a game like this, it's going to be tight. It's going to come down to those. Tiny little details, which, ladies and gentlemen, who have you got? Bill Belichick or Jason Calvin Garrett? The clapper. (laughs) So if it does come down to those little tiny things, seriously, we might have the best coach in the history of the game in terms of dotting the T's, whatever the expression I always get wrong. Crossing (laughs) crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Crossing the T's, yeah. Yeah. and, 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 and Garrett might be the very worst yeah. in that respect. So that, that makes it a pass lean for me. But yeah. we're laughing. If you're a Cowboys fan though, I just, it is a bit tragic because you've got a seriously good team on your hands here that is being, that's being held back. Wasted. Yeah. Wasted. yeah, it's been wasted. Yeah. Seriously. Well, we, if, a... if people want to listen, we chatted about that last week. Um, yeah. at length. It was actually a really good chat. Um, it was like five minutes of a massive sidebar, but it was very, very good. So, uh, yeah, I I agree, but you you got to take Belichick here. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, as, and exactly as you said, I love the point about the death by a thousand small cuts. Yeah, that'll be it. It's just tiny yeah. incisions from Belichick. He's just going to slowly kill you like a like a yeah. methodical serial killer. Which I think, <laughs> if Bill Belichick wasn't a head coach, he probably would be like a uh, Boston area ripper. You know, just oh, absolutely. Well, he still might be. Yeah, he, he still might be. He still could <laughs> be. I mean, with. The, the Pats have already housed one murderer. I mean, who knows? Um, <laughs> oh, wow. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, all right. I just, I'm just saying that, the, that Belichick's a psychopath in a good way. I mean, I mean, I'd love him as my coach. It's ridiculous. All right. Let's move on to my game of the week here. Green Bay at San Fran. San Fran minus three at home. The total is 46. This is the game of the week for me. Um, I have to go with the 49ers here. They've been the better team, all-around team this year, ranking 17 points per drive on offense, second on the other side of the ball. The Packers' defense has been struggled lately. They're ranking 22nd in weighted DVOA and has been absolutely an absolute sieve on the ground. And that's how the 49ers stacked wins early in the season. I expect them re- to return to that strategy in this matchup. Um, that'll help alleviate any injury concerns, I guess, that they have in the passing game as well. Um, and I think if the 49ers talented D-line does its job, I think the home team should should win and should cover here. Um, you know, it was good that they won in different ways last week with Jimmy Garoppolo, but in this matchup, you've got to get back to, to, to the ground game and, and, and run the ball. But, yeah, the signs were pretty good from Jimmy G that he could kind of help them lift. He'll have a tougher time against his passing defense, but I think they will will get the ball going on the ground. I'm going to take the, uh, the 49ers minus three. What do you got, James? Packers for me, um, the Niners really don't seem like a genuine 9-1 team in my eyes. 
four straight weeks of regression where running the ball is concerned, which for Sam Fran has meant putting it into Jimmy G's hands, which has meant their air of invincibility has been busted. Multiple turnovers in half their games this season, which is, we've got our doubts about the Packers deep, but one thing they can do is turn the ball over. I think there's only five teams in the league who have actually forced more turnovers than them. So, and I'm just, I'm really skeptical and I'm really reluctant to embrace teams who need everything to go their way for them to function. Kind of like, you know, they, they talk about Steven Strasburg in baseball as being the orchid, needing perfect conditions to flourish. That's kind of how it reminds me of San Francisco. They need to have that, you know, beautiful running game and all these lovely Shanahan routes all seems to be disguised to protect Jimmy G. Let's see Jimmy G beat a big team in a big spot. That's that, that's 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 where I'm putting it on. I just and maybe it's through Seattle shaded glasses here, but yeah, I've still got my big doubts on on, on San Fran. So yeah, Packers Packers can cover. I, I can't agree with with both of you. I, I think the Packers are the more talented team on offense, and and the Niners over the course of the season have have been really good defensively, as we know. But they've conceded twenty plus in three straight games since they demolished the Panthers in, in week eight. Um, and, and I just can't get a, a real read on them at the moment. And, and same with the Packers. I just, I'm just not sure where, where each of them stand and, and kind of what, what they stand for right now. I know that, that they have been really good at both of them at, at times earlier in the season, but hmm. right now I just, I just can't get a read on either of them. So it's a, it's a pass for me. It looks like both defenses are kind of regressed over the last three weeks. Maybe over yeah. could be the play there, like at a 46. It's kind of in that weird number there, not close to the key number of 48, but not quite hmm. there. It's kind of a Vegas zone total there at the 46. So maybe that could be the play if you, if you don't have a real feel on the line, given the, the regression for both these teams on, on defense, and we know that uh, you know the Packers can put up points at will, and and the so can the Forty Nine ers. We've seen it, so uh, yeah, it, it's a fascinating game. It, it, we haven't even mentioned that you know the winner of this game will you know get a sort of a, a half game edge over the other in terms of getting a, a buy or home field advantage and things like that. So obviously, there's a lot a lot of games left to play out, but these you know these games are really important when you look back on the season. Um, so that's that's why it's my game of the week. Um, in terms of yeah, it, it could shape up the entire NFC playoff picture. Um, all right, let's move on. Baltimore minus three at the Rams. Total is 46 and a half. Since week seven, but I'm going to be brief here. Uh, I know this is a, a cool game, but since week seven, Baltimore has both the number one offense and the number one defense in the league by DVOA. They've scored 30, 37, 49, and 41 points in their last four games and, have, and now have won six in a row overall. The Rams lost time of possession, turnover battle, and converted only three of ten third downs in their 17-7 win over the Bears. Um, while I, I am encouraged at the uh, the Rams' improved defensive efforts and the way that they've played over the, the last couple of stretches, given how bad their offense has been, I'm just going to ride Baltimore until they don't cover again, I think. Um, even as a road favorite here um, and, and under a field goal or a field goal, I'm just going to ride Baltimore until, until they give me a loss. And maybe that will be this week, but... Um, I like Baltimore minus three here. You got to just kind of stick with the hot hand, and that's where I'm going to go. What do, What are you? What are your thoughts, James? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Ravens are probably to play here. Rams' offense has just fallen so far. Um, I just can't see how they can keep up from a scoring perspective. I was actually uh, one quick side note: Is there a play for the Rams with a, with a potential golf trade somewhere? In terms of, I, is this something that I've been sort of thinking about in terms of the future of this franchise. We know they're hamstrung by lack of future picks. What they do have is a genius coach who probably could get a lot out of an ordinary quarterback. 
is it? Yeah, I'm just maybe a Tennessee or something like that. But anyway, just that's 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 where the Rams are for me. Yeah, look, I think everyone's talked a lot about the Ravens in the last month, um, and I've got a bit of a different take. Um, so the Ravens at fifteen point five percent are the closest challenger to the Patriots at twenty three point four percent on Stats Insider Super Bowl projections. Um, since the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Lions in Week Four to sit at 17%. At that point, after week four, the Ravens were two and two. They'd demolished the Dolphins in week one. They'd snuck past the Cardinals in week two before big losses to the Chiefs and Cleveland in weeks four and five. Since then, they've gone six and zip. They've dispatched everybody ruthlessly, the Steelers, the Bengals twice, the Seahawks and the Texans, and delivered a first and only loss to the Patriots. They're ranked number eight in weighted defensive efficiency and number two in weighted offensive efficiency. And they're ranked number four in special teams for the season. They are the only team in the league to hold top 10 positions in all three categories from football outsiders. So ladies and gents, or gentlemen and gentlemen, because I'm not sure how many ladies listen to us, um, I don't think we're that interesting, but the best team in the NFL right now is the Baltimore Ravens, and it's not even close. Massive call. I like it, Big though. Call. I, like I like it. it. Um, meanwhile, in LA, the Rams are 6-4 and four on the season, and they just continue to kind of eke out really ugly wins over, over top five ranked defenses in, in Pittsburgh and Chicago in the last couple of weeks. I just can't see them upsetting the the force, the irresistible force that is the Ravens right now, and I'm not sure anyone can at the moment, and uh, Baltimore to cover. All right. So that's a great segue into our lock of the week there uh, as we wrap up all the Week 12 action. So uh, obviously the lock of the week this week, we got two though, uh, but the first one is Baltimore minus three. We like them. We're going to ride the hot hand, and maybe it's a square play and we'll look foolish next week, but as we said, we're just going to ride the hot hand, and, and Nick's called them the best team in the league, so uh, we, we've just got to go with it. Um, at this point. And then the other lock of the week uh, we discussed off air. Um, we're going to go with a total. Not sure if it's been our first total lock of the week, but uh, we like the under 39 in the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati match there. Uh, so we've got two locks of the week this week. Baltimore minus three, under 39.5 in the uh, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game. So let's uh, let's talk long shots. Okay, so I think Packers can cover plus three versus San Francisco. I think Miami can cover against the Browns. And the money line parlay, I, I don't mind Detroit and Buffalo. Now, I, I'm giggling a little bit because I originally had Oakland in there, replaced it with the Lions, and I think, yeah, I think you guys did a really convincing job talking about those horrendous Jets, and it was enough to maybe take for, take, take the Raiders out of that spot. So it Lions <laughs> and Bills on the money line parlay. Um, and from a long shot, I still think the 325 out there about Seahawks winning that division is absolutely superb. Um can't spruik that one enough. I uh, can't wait to uh, talk to you about trusting your gut next week when uh, the Raiders win and the Lions <laughs> lose. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. James, uh, perfect. Thanks, mate. Uh, enjoy the week. Enjoy week 12, and uh, we look forward to chatting next week. All right, Nick, uh, what, what are your best bets uh, here? You're on a you're on a tear. I think you're 23 and 11 on the season. So uh, let's, uh, let's, see, let's see it for the penultimate week here of the season so far, week 12. Yeah, I'm, I'm up and about. Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta minus four. Uh, I really like them to, to cover quite easily. I think the Saints also to win quite comfortably. I like them at the, the minus eight and a half point line. And uh, as as we discussed, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati under 39. 
And the the long shot that I liked, I mentioned earlier, Alvin Kamara, 74 plus rushing yards at $2.40. You can probably even even go higher than that and, and get up to the $3.54 mark um, at the, the 85 or 90 rushing yards. And, and uh, yeah, I like all of those plays with, with Kamara this week. Yeah, I feel like that price could uh, could be gone soon when they when everyone releases their sort of over under props uh, later on in the week. But uh, I think even like a hundred plus at like the three buck range might be a might be a solid bet as well, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely yep. agree. Yeah, especially the way they fed, they fed him last the last week. Uh, obviously, they wanted to get him going. Um, they they had their eye on that. Um, so my best bets. I look. I originally had Baltimore minus three and the under as well in 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 our locks, but I thought I'd change it up so it's kind of not a rinse repeat of. The same plays a little bit, um, um, so I thought I'd go with a little bit, a little bit of a different ones. I like Cincinnati plus six and a half in that game as well. I think if this game is going under, um, it kind of tends to favour the dog there in that situation. Mm. It could just be sort of like a seventeen fourteen type slugfest uh, from from Pittsburgh eking out a win, or even a twenty to fourteen type deal um, from from the Steelers, um, or even lower than that at this point. Um, it's going to be an ugly game. Um, I like New England minus six and a half. I just think they're going to have too much there. Death by a thousand cuts. I don't think Dallas's defense is is up to the task. Unfortunately, as good as Dak Prescott is, I just don't know if they can get the job done here. And I think uh, Brady um, has a solid game. And I like over forty six and a half in the Jets in Oakland game as well. I touched on the Jets' uh, increased uh, explosion, and I'm always kind of in- interested in the Oakland overs over the last uh, sort of five weeks. And uh, my long shot this week is going to rely around that over as well. I think Derek Carr has 300-plus passing yards um, around that sort of $2.60, $2.75-ish range. Um, and I'll even mention Cincinnati Moneyline. I touched on it earlier on the show. I think they have a chance to win that game outright against the Steelers. Um, so I like them at the $3.50. I wonder, Nick, if the stats inside a model agrees with me. Maybe they always kind of like a... Uh, Moneyline parlay is their long, uh, not a parlay, Moneyline is the long shot this week. I'm not sure if it is, but uh, why don't you talk us through the model's best bets uh, and the long shot, and then we'll, we'll touch on the results of the model uh, afterwards. Yeah, I mean, the, funnily enough, there's, there's nothing on, on that particular game um, at the moment. You're right, though, that the model does tend to like those those uh, those underdogs. And, and I think you're right as well. You, you spoke before about the, the Cincinnati plus six and a half in that low-scoring game. I think if, you know, for... for Betters who are kind of looking at, at some of those correlations, there is there is a correlation between the underdog covering their spread and and going under because they tend to be ugly games, low yep. scoring, um, and and they keep it close. And, and I think that's absolutely a, a kind of a game script worth worth exploring if if you feel like that. Um, yeah, and it happens a lot in like college basketball and stuff where yeah, like a, a really bad team knows they're up against it as a big dog and they they slow the possessions down and basically mm-hmm. they just try and drag the opponent into a street fight into their type of game, minimizing their possessions and their chances to score. And who knows, like if you can grind that out and and frustrate, then there's a chance for you to get those wins. And and that's kind of similar in football, but obviously basketball where there's a lot more possessions, it it has a bigger impact. But yeah, um, I just think that that correlations is, is there. And that's, yeah, I know the model that's always been something the model likes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, unfortunately, on this one, there's nothing, nothing particular for for that game. Yep. Um, the the best bets we've got: Tampa Bay covering their four and a half. See, even the model knows point. it's a trap game. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, we'll see. That's um, uh, that's a ten percent green wow. selection. That's that's pretty strong. We don't often see ten percent. Uh, that, that's pretty high. So it, it's got me a little worried. Um, <laughs> Uh, the model likes your boys, the Colts, at, uh, to cover three and a half points. Interesting. Um, 
7% orange play, uh, which is also also fairly strong. And Chicago Giants over 39. It, it doesn't doesn't have a lot of plays on, on the totals and especially on the overs. Um, so, yeah, just keep an eye on that one. Maybe maybe keep an eye on the weather. I'm not sure yeah. uh, what, what's going to happen there. But uh, the long shot, they're, they're, nothing really kind of jumped out as we kind of went through it this morning. Yeah. Oh, that's right. um, probably probably the Bucks, but yeah, nothing nothing really stands out well, there to head. And that's but, definitely where the long shots come from. And as we always say, check out Stats Insider, you know, on a Sunday night or even, you know, over the weekend, just check out where, where they're at with the players. There's more and more information um in, in teams and, and lineups get finalized to check check out the model's results. But uh, how did how did the model uh do last week overall um from an overall perspective? Uh yeah, overall uh, four and three on on NFL lines, one and one on on totals. College was a little slower. I think it was four and six on lines and, and six and eight or, or something like that on on college totals. But uh, still, you know, very very profitable season so far. And uh, looking forward to to continuing. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, as I said before, check out statsinsider.com.au. That's where you'll find uh, James's articles, Nick's work as well, and the podcast as well. So check them out on Twitter as well at statsinsider com.au and you can follow me on Twitter as well at Wooten Y and until next week uh, have a good one.